Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is part three of my exclusive interview with Mr. Daniel Borkowski. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Okay, welcome back. Uh, got our glasses refreshed here. Got some new ice. It's a hot one out there today. Dan, you're looking quite sharp in your, in your Hawaiian shirt. You mentioned Hawaii. That's kind of your, that's your go-to place too, isn't it? Anywhere hot and tropical. <laughs> hot and tropical. <laughs> Hawaii, California, and Florida are kind of my, my three favorites. Yeah, and you just mentioned California, and there's some exciting news that you're going to be sharing with us here in this next segment too. There sure is. Yeah, and what, we're going to get to that. So, so we've we've covered an awful lot of ground here. We've covered a lot about you know your fear about or lack of fear. You know, so guys, I'm not. Dan didn't say that you had to go jump out of airplanes. No, <laughs> to go to, but, but it doesn't hurt, right? Just no. proving those things. It's a mental game, right? It's yeah. mindset. Tackle your fear, right? How you structure your deals, how you have your money partners approaching you, how you got your first deal, and how re- referrals happen from all that. So. Um, and then also how you structure your rent to owns and having uh, all those wonderful things as well. Um, the one thing I really do want to talk, so two threads I want to talk next is number one is about your follow-up and the reporting that you do for your money partners. And then the second one is how do you design this whole business around your lifestyle? You mentioned it a couple times that you don't, you want real estate to fund your lifestyle, not be your lifestyle. And you, tr- and I, when I was, I was not joking that you were a tough guy to get a hold of. I, I did go to your website to try and find you. You cannot find a phone number there. I finally had to track you down through Facebook, and it was a couple of weeks before you replied. And um, yeah. and and you truly do live its family first, and you don't you don't. You know, some people is the the grind and, you know, just just nose to the grindstone at every moment. You're just just flat out, flat out and working your tail off. You don't subscribe to that model, do you? No. No. Um, and we're going to no. talk about that. <laughs> OK, because I know there's a lot of people that are probably interested in how do you do that and how you can do. Um, OK, so reporting. Uh, and I have not ever seen one of your your reports you send to people, but I've heard they're legendary. From some mutual friends of ours, um, what do you what do you think some of the best practices you'd put into your communication and reports you have to your money partners? So, I do send out reports. Yep, I send them out quarterly. Um, quarterly, like uh, clockwork, or have has no? It, there's delays. Yeah, yeah. So quarterly means that there's obviously one in the summer, and sometimes that'll go out you know, after vacation. So it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not so much always on the clock, but I try to have consistent communications so that they know what's going on. Um, So when I send out the, the letter, I try to think of what do I, what would I as an investor want to know? And you are an investor in some deals too, right? Right. And, And like Russ mentioned, I am on the other side of that. And I know what it's like to not get reports. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to get reports that mean nothing. <laughs> They're full of numbers and rent rolls and stuff that really means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. I have to still sit there and try and figure out, well, where am I? Am I making money? Am I losing money? What's my ROI? So when I report to my investors, I tell them everything that I think they want to know. And, and I'll, I'll ask them when we're in talk in person, you know, is there anything else? 
but I'll tell them exactly where they are on that day in the investment. And what does that mean? So what does it kind of look like? Do you have kind of like a templated formula or what do you? Yeah. So I'll tell them what, how much, obviously how much, um, cash on cash return they've received to date. Mm -hmm. If we're talking rent to own, which is the easiest to report on, then there's always cash flow. So there's always a big check to send to them, which I like to mail a a letter that I print and sign and and handwrite the envelope and put a check in there. I I could do everything electronic, but someone said to me once that it's fun to receive a check in the mail. So I I have one investor that finally said, can you just put the money in my account? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. but now I ask them, you know, what do you prefer? But um, so I, I give them, what their ROI is to that date. I don't speculate on what the house might be worth and what, and and I use real numbers today so that, you know, you invested this much. I've given you this much back. Here's your cash on cash return today. We have this much money in the bank. If we had to sell, then it would cost this much. If we had to sell at the same price we bought, but I I don't really tie in there. You know, here's where I think the market is today. We have this much appreciation because, you know, that those aren't to me real numbers. That's all stuff that goes up and down. So I like to talk. But you do have a real number in a right own basis because you have a contracted sale price. Contracted sale price. So I base things on that number Mm -hmm. because that number is is somewhat real if if they execute the option. Yes. So sometimes I'll change it up and I'll, I'll break it down and say, if we had to sell today, if they walked away from the investment and we had to sell, I'll give them some feedback. But I like to let them know, here's your return on investment today, cash on cash, based on cash that's back in your pocket, not equity that we have that's in the property that we can't touch. Here's everything that, that you have access to. Here's where you're sitting. And it's easy with rent to own because there's so much cash flow you buy for cash on on a rent to own deal you're not you do make money on the on the back end but you're really in it for the cash flow but you're in essence on a rent to own you're actually making the amount of money on the purchase you're making the money on the sale almost each month in in essence you are and depending how you structure it um, your cash flow can be huge because you're collecting option payments, so to speak, which goes towards their down payment or however you want to structure it at the end. But you might be collecting 600 a month from them on top of the rent that if they ex- exercise the option, you have to give that 600 back to them, but you're selling the house to them at a higher price at the end. So that $600 you've already spent, you don't need it because you've already increased the price, sale price on the house. So it becomes math at the end. So you might not make any money on the final sale, depending how you structured it. You might have taken installments every month for 12, 24, 96 months, however long you've right. you've owned this thing. So you may, at the end of the day, not get a big check. Some, de- some deals you do, mm-hmm. but you know it's if you can structure it so you're paid out monthly and subsidize your lifestyle that way and if you need more money go do another deal or right right so what um so your your follow-up is is, is it 
It's a check, which I tell you, the greatest <laughs> follow-up ever is to send a check to somebody, right? right? You know, you could probably just write a handwritten note on a piece of uh, <laughs> piece of yellow pad paper with a check attached to it, and no people, note, just and no, <laughs> even no note, just a check. Here's your here's your here's your distribution. Right. So so that I guess would be the first best practice is if you can distribute money is is good. Um, is it back and front? Is it two or three pages, or how many? I make it. I format it to fit on one page. I want yep. it to be short and sweet. I want it to be very black and white. Here's where you're sitting today. Here's the money you put in. Here's the money you've got back. I'll give a third page of a breakdown of every of all the money that they've received back. So it'll show, you know, here's the 90,000 you put in initially. Here's the 30,000 you got back a month later. Here's the every 3 months, you know, 2000 or whatever I sent you every every 3 months whatever that number is so that they can look at it and say oh wow I've I've made a lot of money and every 3 months I got a check and yep. so there's always three things a check a breakdown of of every payment that they've given me or I've given them and a very short and sweet report and I don't really go into personal stuff in the report I don't say you know I'm on vacation right now writing this like I I just give them the numbers and you know, save the conversation for when we talk in person. Do you give them any market information or things you're seeing on the street or any of that kind of stuff? Or on a on the my rent to own, I don't. I'll give them feedback on the tenant and mm-hmm. how that relationship is going. Yep. But I won't so much um, look at the market because in, at that point in time where we've structured a certain way, we know we know how it's going to play out or or how it might play out if they walk away. And mm-hmm. before we ever got into the deal, I've given them a performa of what the deal looks like. And I've also broken out 10 scenarios that might happen, your what if scenarios. Mm-hmm. Here's what happens if they walk away the first week into the deal and we have to put it back on the market and sell it and pay out lawyers and all this. And I'll, I'll take your 10 most common scenarios that I could think of and break it down for them so that they know here's my worst case, here's my best case, the deal I'm getting into, but here's 10 other scenarios and what my return would look like in all those cases. And, and, and for the most part, if you're structuring this type of deal correctly and you're getting enough security from the tenant up front, they may break even, but they're not really at risk at too much in these unless, unless you've done something wrong or the market has gone horribly wrong on you. Right. Right. Which, you know, not to say the market's gone horribly wrong, but it's been it's been a tough sled slugging the last little while. And that's probably the reason why some of your rent owns are now into seven, eight years is maybe the value of the house hasn't got there yet. Yeah, it's it's habits. So what they say they're going to do and what they actually do and, and some people do it, some people don't. And, and it probably has more to do with the the ability of the person to qualify for a mortgage, not the market in essence. The market really doesn't have as much to do. Uh, there's been a few that the market wasn't quite at the price that they had agreed to pay and mm-hmm. they didn't have the capacity to make up that difference and their credit wasn't strong enough. So at that point you have two options. Well, you have more than two, but you can extend the deal and say, we'll wait until the market changes or you save up more money. I could lower my price if I just want out of the deal, I could. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm still making money. I can lower the price and and sell it for less than I thought we were going to make, but yep. still profitable for everyone. Um, usually, they just want to continue, which is fine for me mm-hmm. because of the cash flow. Yep. 
Um, I've never had anyone actually walk away from a deal. I, I know it happens and, and people have that, but. So by and large, you're, um, I guess the really the big, the big thing with your follow-up system is really just being on top of your, uh, the bookkeeping and having the numbers available. That's, that's probably that's, the biggest, the biggest thing yeah. is, you know, the majority of it is having the numbers where you can report. If the numbers right. aren't ready to report, then that just. I have a copy of my QuickBooks file and, and I keep the books up to date and I do that on my personal side too. I've always really managed finances and I know where every dollar has gone. I could tell you how much I've spent on coffee this year. Like everything's broken down. So that goes into the business. Do you do that yourself or do you you hire that out? I do that myself. How do you do that? No, I, I'm, <laughs> here guys, time out. I'm going to get an education here because that's this is probably one of the things that I'm not I'm not on top of as I should be. And if my wife is watching, I hope she is. Um, I'm learning, honey. <laughs> By the way, how do you, how do you do that? What do you have? Do you have some hacks or some systems, no, or what um, do you do, or is it just a discipline? There's a there's a program that used to exist and still does, but it's not updated anymore. Called Microsoft Money, and they retired it with the Sunset Edition, so it's free to download. And I've used that since, I don't know, 2004, maybe. So the last 14 years or so. Mm-hmm. And I loved it at the time. And it, it used to be more automated. It used to be able to connect to your bank and pull everything in. And now I have to log into my credit card online. Mm-hmm. You can still download into Microsoft Money. All those transactions go into there. And if you've set up your... If you've set it up, then they're all categorized yeah. and it knows like, okay, this one was dining out, this one was this, this one was that. So I try to put every purchase through a credit card because I get reward points and mm-hmm. it's easy to track when it goes into my finance program. So it's, so I it's, guess it's, it's really not, not that time intensive. It's not really the whiz bang, gee whiz application more so than the actual discipline to just do it. To do it, yeah. yeah. And it does, if I forget about it for a few months, it's annoying <laughs> because you don't remember what you spent money on. So it does take discipline to do it. But for me, you know, you know when it comes in really handy for me is when I have to return something and it's like, where's the receipt for that? When did I buy it? And I can just go do a keyword search for, for that item. If it's a big ticket item that I needed a receipt for and it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I bought it in October at Costco and then I can... And I imagine you, you know, being doing this, the business and the rent-owned business and stuff like that, there's probably a lot of similar transactions, a lot of memorized transactions that are almost the exact same thing each month, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you things, shouldn't, things shouldn't change that often, right? right. If they are, then there's, there's an issue, typically. Right, right? exactly. Okay. So. Um, what about um, any tips or hacks or just things do you put it into a calendar to remind yourself when to do it like how long does it take you to put your the follow-up package together typically probably takes me an hour per property to put it together so it, it can be a little time intensive putting these packages together and 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 it's easy in the summertime to not want to do it but at the same time if that's all I have to do and I don't have to go out there and 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 do any other um, presentations trying to raise money, if I just keep my investors happy with this one discipline, then 
then that's not really asking too much of me. Well, and you know, and you are getting seventy. You have seventy five percent ownership of right. there, right? so you got to do some darn it. No, I, I'm joking. I have to I, do something with my time. I'm, I'm teasing you. I think the, um, how you earn it is because you have amazing deals. So there's there's yeah. another thing that I do uh, as far as keeping investors in the loop is I love Notepad. That's my favorite tool on the computer is Notepad. So I have a a file structure. Um, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place okay. here, but um, I'll get back to the notepad thing. So my file structure in my filing cabinet is the one that, that I learned from uh, Navaz Murji, the accountant, with the different colored folders. So mm-hmm. red is for tenants, green is for finances, yellow is for miscellaneous, yep. white's investors, blue is legal. So that physically exists in my filing cabinet, yep. and I scan everything in there. So I have a digital filing cabinet, which is labeled the exact same thing. Here's the property. Here's a red folder. Here's all the PDFs in there. That automatically synchronizes. I like Google Drive. So that synchronizes to Google Drive. I give my investors read-only access to their folder in Google Drive. So they have a PDF copy of every single piece of paper that exists in my filing cabinet. I also have access to every single piece of paper in that filing cabinet when I'm on the road. It's it's from mm-hmm. my cell phone. So the filing cabinet could burn down and I won't lose anything or or someone can ask me, you know, what's what's this and I can pull it up on my pocket. So that's a bit of a discipline scanning everything and putting it in the folders. Right. But that's um, you're choosing to you want to live elsewhere. Right. So you have to create systems that you can have access to business doesn't stop right. while you're in access Florida. to the information right. while you're away. And um so in the digital version of my filing cabinet, I've got a notepad file in in the red folder called tenants. And that's where every interaction with that client goes into. And it's date and time stamped manually as and then just point form what we discussed. Mm-hmm. And that gets saved. And the investment partner, if they're logged into Google Drive, gets a little update that this file's been updated. They can go and read that notepad file in read-only mode so they don't accidentally hit delete and and sabotage Mm. my files. So they know exactly what's happening. They're not waiting three months to find out. They can go in and read that file. They'll get the picture. So Mm. there may actually be no new information when they send them a report because they've been following. um, or, Or I have investors that will look at the joint bank account and they'll know exactly every transaction that's going in and out. And if there's something difference, like it's an annual accounting fee or something, they'll call up and say, well, what was this transaction? Because, mm. Well, I guess there's a couple of points. You said you said a lot there. So 100%, you know, how about the most transparent you can ever have is give everything, give access to everything. Right. And the more you give access to, the probably the less they will ask for. Right. Right. And yep. they may ask a few times until they get the the flow and they get the system and then they until they get the the point where they you know they can trust not that they don't trust you, but it probably will take a few months for them to go, well, Daniel's on top of this because look at all the stuff that's in there. Boom, 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 I read about five things. Well, Daniel's got it. Right? right. Yeah. Well, so so really just and I, I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to figure the plight word. I, I I'm sorry guys for the, the, the language here. Just get our shit together. Really? And just yeah. just be on top of it. Exactly. Really? And um, as far as, you know, there's there's going to be positive and negative conversations with clients, but in this way, 
they're reading the files. So if someone, if a tenant loses their job, they've already read it before I ever talk to them. So it's, I don't even have to break news to them. It's like you said, full transparency. They know exactly what's happening before I even have to have that conversation with them. So it's a way of kind of breaking the ice if they're, if they're reading as, as far as, you know, I'll call them and say, you know, so-and-so lost his job and, you know, he's not going to be able to pay this month or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and we'll have to use the reserve. And not that I have to make those calls, but it just makes it easier knowing that I'm fully transparent and I'm not hiding anything mm-hmm. from them. I don't hold all the answers and I give you little windows into this world every three months. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they know everything that I know. Now, and I know for a fact, some people watching are going to just be going, they're just going to have that knot in the in the pit of the stomach of going, oh, my paperwork, everything is just, it's a nightmare and it's a mess. What what would you offer to somebody if, to help them, you know, maybe give them some kind of a, you know, a, a either kick in the backside or an inspiration on how to, to, to just lean into it and just get it done or, or outsource or whatever. What would you offer if somebody has some coaching? If somebody was just saying that, it's a mess. You know, you can hire someone to do your scanning for you. So if that's if that's your bottleneck and to teach them your your format, whether how you want to name the files, mm-hmm. and I mean you can you can hire people to do that. I I do it often enough that it doesn't pile up on me. Mm. Um, do you good, do you put it in your calendar? Do it once a week, or how do you? No, I. If, if a piece of mail comes in, I'll go to my mailbox and I'll grab all the mail. And at that point, because again, I, I learned from a good friend of as mm-hmm. the accountant, um, you should never touch a piece of paper t- more than once. So if I'm going to open it, I should do something with it. If I'm not prepared to do something with it, don't open it now. So right. when I open it, I'm ready to scan it. I've already set up a synchronization program on my laptop that that puts it onto Google Drive so I don't manually do that. It also backs up to another server and and that. So all I have to do is hit the button on my scanner, goes in, name the file, drop it in the right folder. My investor has it immediately. It's backed up for safekeeping and I have access to it later. I put it in my filing ca- my paper filing cabinet and never have to look at it again. Well, so, so what do you, what kind of scanner do you have? So a, a good friend who you also know, David Sandbrand. Yeah, yeah. Um, he recommended it's. I think it's a, a Fujitsu. Fujitsu, yeah, ScanSnap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Expensive. The Sixty five hundred. Yeah, they're like six hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, lifesaver. Well worth the investment. Oh. It double sided. It'll scan everything in a minute. Yes. Uh, you can have it do individual pages. You can have it, yeah. you know, do every two pages as a different PDF file. Any anything you want to do with it. It's yeah. We're but, we're um we're down to one and a half file cabinets now and we're just now going back we made that we made the commitment well i should say crane made the commitment two years ago now that everything was gonna be digital right now we're when a rainy day project she starts going back into the archives to do things as well but it's so handy once it's done it is and it's and then once it gets indexed type in it was the other day i had the you know had the show interest a line of credit Scotia line of credit on blah, blah, blah property. Boom. All the files came up. Yeah. Boom. It's amazing. Compress it. There you go. There it is. All in one place. I was at, uh, I also scan my stuff in my, on my personal side, not mm-hmm. just the business. What I do in business is, is the duplication of my personal life. I was at a kid's soccer game the other day and someone said, you know, how much do you pay on your house insurance? I was like, well, hang on. And I was able to pull up 
all my renewals on my health insurance for the past five years. And they're looking at me like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> who's this why, freak? Who's why this do freak? you have five years worth of health insurance statements in your pocket? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, for me, I like to... I like to know that stuff. Yeah. I like to, to be able to answer my own questions. Well, and and, and, and I'm know, not home all the time. I like vacationing. Discipline equals freedom. Because you've done this and you have all this and you have the discipline to get it done, you can't afford to take the time away because you know that's all taken care of. You can, you can leave guilt-free because Very you true. know it's, it's taken care of, right? And, it's, and you know where to go get it. It's not a big giant pile of papers sitting somewhere else. Wow. Very true. Um, so we got one more segment we're going to dive into. Daniel is on to a new adventure here. And I hope you're, I hope you're cool. Is I hope it's yeah. not too soon to share this new adventure no. that you're going to be going on. And then we're going to just do a real quick uh, wrap up with a little bit of final inspiration here as well. But uh, we're just going to reset the cameras here one more time. So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.